Good afternoon, good morning. This is Mark Johnson from Loyalty360. Hope everyone's happy, safe, and well. I want to welcome you back to another edition of our Leaders and Customer Loyalty Series. In this series, we speak to brand leaders about what they are seeing and hearing on the front lines of customer channel and brand loyalty. Uh, today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Jason Whitting, the Director of Membership at LEGO Group. How are you today, Jason? Doing well, thank you. Great. Uh, good to connect with you. Great seeing you a couple of weeks back. I uh, hope the flight back to uh, Europe was uh, uneventful. Uh, good, good. Uh, we like to start these on a more personal level. I know we've spoken with you in the past, but uh, we'd love to know a little bit about you, uh, kind of what you do at Lego, maybe your career leading up to Lego, and you know, a fun fact, a, a passion you may have outside of work. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so uh, I got my career, I started my career in retail. I was in there for about seven years, followed by uh, seven years in the agency world. Uh, then I was a head of marketing for regional telecom for seven years before joining Lego Group. 10 years ago. So that very much dates me. Uh, been with the Lego Group 10 years, uh, heading up membership for the past five. Um, and right now, what I'm in charge of is all our benefits and mechanics, as well as rewards and operations of our program. Uh, kind of personal thing, you probably see it from my backdrop, but I'm a massive Star Wars fan and mostly uh, a Lego Star Wars fan. Um, and uh, I would like to say that that probably got me my start in the company is uh, had such a passion for it. I thought it was easier just to, to work here. So a uh, huge fan. But yeah, that's a little bit about me. Okay. When is the next uh, theat theatrical release for Star Wars coming out? Oh, geez. I, I honestly don't know. And I should know this. I was just at Star Wars Celebration hearing uh, about everything coming up and uh, the, the additional prequels and sequels and everything like that. But I don't recall when the next one is. Okay. Interesting. I, I was uh, reading something about how they uh, do directors. Uh, now, going forward, they only let a director have it one or two series at a time or something like that, just to kind yeah, of create uh, some pretty funny, some can be more uh, intense, more drama based. Yep. But I think it's only one director at a time, or maybe two. And then they they kind of switch it over just to kind of give some uh, different color or engagement in in the the, the, the series. They've done a lot of interesting stuff with the series over the, between the shows and the movies and stuff. Uh, it'll be really great to see what comes up next. Okay, yeah, I'm. Uh, I was just telling the story the other day. We just did a bunch of uh, redesign our house, and uh, I actually saved this from my uh, uh, floor of my. Uh, we had put carpet upstairs in my house, and my. Uh, Son had it in his, I just broke it, uh, on his uh, uh, yeah, floor in his uh, bathroom. And I'm like, that's going to get stepped on. I made him fix it and I just broke it again. But uh, I like Star Wars Legos as well. So uh, perfect. So uh, for those who may not be familiar with Lego, can you tell us a little bit uh, about mm -hmm. Lego, short history of the Lego group, what you guys do, how you do it, and kind of how the company's grown and evolved? Yep, and, and I'm sure I can give you a little bit of background. Uh, I'm sure everybody's heard of the company, 95% uh, brand awareness. So it's been around uh, since 1932. Um, so we were born in, uh, Dillon, Denmark is a really small town in, in Denmark. Uh, it was mostly like farming land to begin with. Um, that's where our world headquarters are still today, uh, owned and operated by the family, the same family who started it, uh, still owns the company, so a privately held company. Uh, started off in uh, a woodworking shop, making uh, furniture, got into wooden toys and stuff, uh, and then uh, moved on to injection molding and plastic bricks. And we've been doing that for, for quite a long time. Uh, you know, we're coming up on our 100th uh, anniversary, uh, not too far away. Um, so getting pretty excited about that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, 
fun place to work are, like I said, our global headquarters are, are in Bill in Denmark, uh, but we have some regional um, headquarters around, uh, in London is one of them, uh, which is one of our regional hubs, as well as one in, in uh, Connecticut, uh, soon to be moving to Boston. And then we have Singapore, China, et cetera. So uh, we operate globally and our program actually uh, runs in um, 34 countries and 26 languages. So oh, okay. it's uh, pretty substantial. Perfect. Uh, when you look at the Lego VIP program, a very successful program, award-winning, just won a number of awards at the Lothi 360 conference. Uh, you know, how does the program work? Can you give us a brief overview <laughs> of the benefits, how it works, uh, and then kind of how it, uh, it keeps people engaged with the program? Yep. Yeah. So, um, the program itself is much like a lot of other programs, and we have a point system uh, based on when members make purchases with the LEGO group, uh, either through LEGO.com or our owned and operated stores. But uh, the big difference in our program, and what I like to say, is it's really built on our company values, which include fun, creativity, and inclusivity. So it's one of the reasons why uh, we don't have like a traditional tiering approach to anything. Uh, as an inclusive brand, we want to make sure we're welcoming to everybody. Uh, and we really use the different benefits and rewards to target our different users. So while some users will gain lots of points because they do have high spending thresholds, we usually look at, or they have high spend, um, we usually look at the types of things that they're interested in, uh, which tend to be more expensive in the program, and then we offer them up. So. Uh, our program has everything uh, from very low value items, that, including free rewards for those just starting off uh, in, in their journey with the LEGO brand, all the way to things that are like money can't buy um, benefits and rewards. So uh, like I said, traditionally, it's got the, the point system and an extensive reward catalog. Um, we have over a thousand different types of rewards, depending on the different target audience, uh, affinity, things like that. And then we have additional uh, features and benefits, so early access, uh, special events, signing events for our users, um, points promotions and stuff like that. But really we look at, we want something fun. We try to be a little bit creative in, in, in the different types of things that we uh, make for our users. And then really making sure it's super inclusive and there's something for everybody. Okay. Uh, I think uh, knowing your program, knowing you for a number of years, uh, you guys do a great job with your program in, uh, initiatives and kind of keeping the program up to date. Uh, you also do a lot of research, uh, kind of consumer research, trends research uh, that kind of influence your personalization partnership uh, program. So, you know, how has customer data influenced your program initiatives and, you know, what type of research do you use to build out such a successful uh, rewards program? Yeah, um, hugely important. It's everything from uh, getting everybody involved in the user journey and trying to figure out where are there moments that we can bring the program to life, to focus groups, to surveys. Um, but really, for me, the best thing that we can get is talking to our users, that zero party data, finding out what they really like, what did they really want. And, and this is really getting to the heart of what drives them emotionally, not just uh, transactionally, right? So if you ask any user what they want, they're going to say they want something cheaper, or they want money off, or they want something free. So really understanding like where their passions are, that really is super important to us to understand what we need to create from the program. So we work very closely with uh, our digital insights team around just analytics to see what's working. But then we work with our global insights team, uh, focus groups, and like I said, just going right out to the user, just blatantly asking them, what is it that, what's the thing that's interesting? What do you, what do you really wish we could bring to the, 
uh, to the program and then trying to see what is feasible. So it's a huge uh, aspect, but um, it's not that I, I would put little value to the traditional uh, insights and data metrics, but sometimes it's just better to get out there in front of people and really understand what's going on. And that's something me and my team do constantly. Okay. Uh, personalization is a big area of interest uh, for brands these days. Uh, I mentioned zero-party data, transactional data, behavioral data. All that goes into uh, kind of effective uh, approaches. But you can have all that data and not do it well, as you know. And I think uh, uh, Lego does a great job of, of doing personalization. You know, when you look at a brand, I look at the Lego as a brand new, how are you focusing on personalization? What, what does it mean to Lego? Yeah, and, and I think... Uh, uh, I appreciate your your comments saying that we do it well. I think we are hypercritical of ourselves, and we and we don't necessarily think we're doing a great job at it. But it's it's constantly a journey where we're trying to better understand our users. Um, <clears throat> what's really tough is getting into the space of personalization. Is we've we've all very much sat in this like segmentation world and looking at different how can we how can we put users into different segments? Look at their behaviors, look at their shopping patterns, things like that. Um, we're really trying to move for closer and closer to personalization uh, to one-to-one. And I think the, the challenge often lies in balancing uh, the, the need to, to provide this personalized experience or personalized information that kind of brings people through that journey versus how much data do you really want to collect? Um, as a children's brand, um, we have to be very careful of that. And, and, you know, like we, our program works directly with shoppers, but like we are, uh, very critical of um, in, of uh, how important it, it is for us to keep trust in uh, for the brand, uh, especially to families, right? So when we look at this, we say, what type of information do we really need to make that personalized experience? Um, and then what type of information uh, does that user need on the other end? I would say like, we are very early in that journey on where we want to be, but we're treading very carefully because of the use of data and the fact that we are a global program. Okay. You know, what metrics do you see uh, regarding personalization that uh, can kind of tell the story about efficiency, efficacy of the program, uh, especially yeah. the measurability, engagement, spend potentially? Yeah. I mean, it's the traditional ones that we all look at, right? So sales, frequency, average order value, retention metrics, things like that, click-through rates to make sure that the, our marketing is is doing well. The big one for us though, <clears throat> excuse me, that was a change, was really looking at our engagement scoring. And, and this is something I, I shared at the Loyalty 360 is, uh, we built out an entire scoring model to look at all the different touch points that people have within the program and seeing uh, how things change for that user when they engage with different aspects of the program. And we've rated uh, all of our users on a scale to understand how engaged they are. Uh, and it's not just about sales, right? So uh, you can't shop your way into a highly engaged user. You have to actually be interacting with various aspects of the program. And this is really important to us because uh, this type of metric shows us, are we creating new benefits that people actually use? And then the more engaged we see them, the longer we keep them, the longer, uh, the higher their lifetime value and things like that are. So 
we really started with what is it we're trying to achieve um, and then measured across all the different aspects of the program to say, okay, are we achieving this goal? Are they engaging with this feature? Are they using it? Um, you know, are they using it over time? And if they are, let's rank them a little higher and see what we can do next to make them even more engaged with the program. So I think that's a, that's a big shift for us moving from those traditional like sales-based metrics. Okay, excellent. Uh, you know, partnerships, I know they're a, a, another a very important part of the Legos customer loyalty approach. Uh, uh, you guys seem to do it quite well. I know you have some incredible collaborations with uh, IKEA, Adidas, uh, and you know the Levi's collection. You know, how do you go about establishing a partnership that's mutually beneficial, both to Lego and the other brand, but you know, also to the consumer? How, how do you get that to work? Because that could be a big challenge for brands these days having a partnership that is advantageous to, kind of, to everyone in the mix. Yeah, and I would like to say I have the, the you know, I have the magic sauce for, for fixing this, but I don't. Like, we have an entire team at the LEGO group that works on brand partnerships. Uh, the biggest thing for us in finding the right partners, whether it's a good brand fit, there's uh, quite a few brands out there that, you know, just don't align with our company values and we wouldn't necessarily work with them. Um, so we have an entire team that looks at all the different partnership opportunities. And it, and it truly makes my life uh, easier because that team comes forward with those opportunities already. Um, so I might be able to say, here's a new company I'd like to work with or, or a new area I'd like to work with but and hand it off to them. But often they're coming forward with those partnerships. Uh, and like I said, we have an entire uh, team dealing with inbound and outbound licensing. They're looking at both uh, IP partners to bring into the Lego brand as well as partners to bring the Lego brand to. Okay. And when you look at the partnership approach, uh, you have a team that now that focuses on it. You know, how do, uh, how do you see that changing? Are you looking at more partnerships, more strategic partnerships? How, how does the, the approach to partnerships, uh, how's it changed within your group? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, even starting back some of the older IPs that we had, and, and you know, I mentioned Lego Star Wars is, a, is one of my fan favorites here. Um, and, you know, that's a huge IP partnership, and we work with them everywhere from uh, content, uh, you know, that's Lego uh, minifigures in, inside, like, Star Wars branded content, all the way to the Star Wars branded uh, um sets and things like that so there's a lot of work that we do with, with lucas and disney um i think over time we're just looking for more of those uh types of partners that we can work with that can bring mutual value to us um so like i said uh, star wars is a great one where we have quite a few rewards that we know uh that our our fans are really engaged with so we create more and more features in there Another great one is is Nintendo, where we have products that we worked with with them, um, and then we actually worked in collaboration our two programs, uh, Lego VIP and My Nintendo, and to to build that build a, a relationship where we both had benefits for our members. Um, so I think that's just going to be something more and more that we do over time. Um, once we find that, like I said, that right fit, but it's becoming super important because a lot of, like I said, brand recognition is huge, and a lot of the way we get people to think about our brand is in the context of things that they're already into, the IPs that they're already into. Uh, and there's usually just a really good fit between the brand, our brand and that brand. Um, okay. Usually because it's based on some type of product storyline that, that those fans are really into, plus the desire to build. Okay, great. And when, when you look at the measurement regarding customer loyalty, it can be 
uh, somewhat challenging with regard to incrementality or uh, just you know return on the program, in, in, you know all all the way around. But when you look at the KPIs, what KPIs does Lego and your team uh, use to kind of look at your loyalty strategy and, and and make sure that your efforts are on track? Yeah, and I would say it goes right back to kind of those those core ones. So we are looking at um, we are looking at frequency and retention. Um, kind of those are two big ones. We we look at an active based model, which is you know how many times has somebody shopped within a one year period. Um, uh, you know we are very seasonal toy product. Uh, toy industry is very seasonal, so we look at a long time horizon for how often we bring people back. Um, and then that's the engagement scoring piece, which uh, just shows how well people are embedded into the program. Okay. When you look at uh, the economy, a little bit of economic uncertainty today, uh, even though I was just reading that uh, Apple's at all time high, and some, some companies continue to do very well. Uh, inflation in the US and in and, and Europe, uh, England, uh, job growth continues to be quite strong. But you know, how can customer loyalty, customer loyalty programs be a hedge against some of that economic uncertainty? So I think like that's the big thing, right? As uh, a lot of our programs were we're here to create this added value that maybe our products or our services don't don't are automatically have in their own or or people have been accustomed to. So we reward that that loyalty for us. I think the the challenge I see with a lot of the things going on in the economy is um, as we try to fend off some of these, uh, the natural position to go into is like this discounting mindset. And I think a lot of those changes, um, they can be a big challenge for both our brands and our programs, right? So uh, there's quite a few programs that I saw in some of the industries that uh, in order to make this transition from <clears throat> during COVID, right, from, from uh, you know, uh, an in-person experience to an online experience, or if their bu entire business model shut down, they over-index to providing way more value and it kind of reset everything. Uh, and users expect that they're going to get more discount price, pricing benefits from that membership. And I think what that does is it devalues your product as well as your program. And I think that's the thing we have to watch out for. I think there's a role we play in bringing more value to our users, uh, but we shouldn't do it at the expense of, of our product as well as our programs. Okay. And when you look at uh, customers, uh, great deal of discussion uh, regarding how customers are changing. Uh, going into COVID, uh, behaviors changed. The stores had to uh, kind of respond to that buying the line, picking store, return, shipping, whatever it may be uh, within your respective industry. But how do you think your customers evolved and how are you kind of addressing that and looking at it uh, holistically from the Lego perspective? So, I mean, honestly, like we all saw the same thing, right? We saw a bunch of channel shifts. Um, our stores are our, our massive uh, brand experiences and, and having those stores closed for some time and, and moving to the e-com platforms, you know, that was tough, right? So um, the the upside is we saw a lot of people who, who had never moved into the e-com space uh, and were only in these physical stores shopping, move to the e-com and, and, and into our e-com platforms and actually start understanding how to use the different aspects of the program that were only online at that time. So I think that was a huge benefit for us. It got visibility into various aspects of our program as well as our business. Um, once the stores opened back up, you know, we saw that, that those tides shift and people moving back into those physical experiences, which is really good. But uh, we, 
you know, you get more omni-channel shoppers from that. And, and um, I think that's a really positive thing because you've moved seamlessly between those channels, but it runs the risk is, you know, we taught a, a, a lot of users around convenience aspects and things. And there was big shifts in our business. Our, like you said, return policies and free shipping and free returns and all these other things that fundamentally changed the demands of our users. Um, how do we just manage that, right? When we might not be able to provide those same uh, things going forward in our stores or online, like all of us are challenged with this, uh, is there's been some big monumental shifts. And I think especially in some of these programs, um, there's been some big things that were done during COVID times to keep people engaged. And I think looking at what that means for our business and how do we continue those uh, experiences where people, um, They've set their expectations, right? <clears throat> Fast shipping delivered to your home, uh, easy returns. Like those are as should be expected, but we've made them so easy uh, as we're opening in our stores. What does that look like in our stores? And I honestly, this is a place I, I'm not sure about. Like we have to keep an eye on it as people move uh, move around. But um, it becomes a tougher thing, for, I think, for a lot of businesses that have uh like franchise models and things like that, because people want to move across all those channels very seamlessly. And, and what does that look like? Uh, so I think like things like the hotel industry or, or airlines, I mean, they've been dealing with this for a while, but I think in retail, it's been a little bit different and um, some challenges over the next few years to take a look at. But I would say uh, overall, I think it's been a positive, COVID wasn't a positive thing, but I think it was a positive thing to get people moving through those channels and seeing the different experiences that they can have. Okay. Are there uh, other customer loyalty programs, customer loyalty efforts that uh, you admire that you may find yourself loyal to uh, being you know, one of the, the leading programs in the industry? You know, if so, you know, what do you like about their program? What, what keeps you loyal? Yeah. So I'd say there's probably two programs in one industry that I think uh, that I find that I really like. So uh, um the uh, Explorer program from, from uh, North Face, I think, is, is really good. Um, I think because it really feels very similar to what we do, embraces, embraces their users, uh, really understands, like, you know, what are their passions about and leads into that. And that's something that uh, I take a lot of inspiration from and in how we approach this. Um, and then I also really like what Nintendo has done. Uh, having their, their dual currency and moving uh, for both engagement and purchase. Uh, they have a pretty well-established uh, well rewards portfolio. I think that one I feel is similar to Explorer, similar to ours. Um, I just like how they're really leaning into the passion points of their of their their users versus uh, really looking at it as like a, like I said, a transactional or discount uh, led program. And then I think from an industry standpoint, one I, and I kind of hinted at some of the challenges I saw in that earlier, but uh, the the cruise line industry I find fascinating, right? Uh, they went through this huge shift during COVID where they had no business uh, and fundamentally changed a lot of their programs. And now they're faced with the scenario where a lot of their users have moved up their tiering systems and now they have to start providing those benefits and they're facing with bringing that entire business back with a huge set of users that moved up multiple tiers. Uh, I think that's really interesting to see that, right? Uh, unlike our our company where I said like, you know, we're very much about the inclusivity piece, which is why we don't have tiers. Their entire business model is built on uh, tiered rooming systems and, and benefits and stuff. 
So seeing how how do you take people who traditionally would have been your highest tier and now literally they're they're in the middle but they're still being uh, they're still being called by the high tier numbers. How do you deal with that? And I think that's just something interesting to learn from uh, and how they're affected by everything that's happened over the past few years. You know, what can Loyalty360 do to help you and your team and your customer loyalty efforts? Yeah, so I, I think <clears throat> there's probably some uh, a few areas that just like keeping um, a lot of the, the uh, different vendors coming in, different speakers talking about some of the, the different things that are happening in the industry, I think is very helpful, especially in the space of the metrics, right? So things like how are people approaching um, predictive lifetime value or, or uh, the attribution modeling piece? Uh, I think all of this is super helpful. Uh, I get a lot of benefit, and my team get a lot of benefit from looking at uh, different research, different presentations from different leaders to understand what's going on in the industry, plus to help us uh, either set our strategy or, or look at uh, kind of setting the story for our leadership, right? What is going on in the industry? Um, I think we probably all suffer, a lot of us who've been, who've had a programs for some time suffer from the same thing, which is uh, how do we evolve this? Uh, we take, we look at externals and we take inspiration from that, but not a, nothing's uh, ever as easy as it seems from the outside. Being able to get a glimpse into what others are doing, I think is a huge thing that Loyalty360 can do. Uh, and something I really, I really liked uh, being at the, at the, the conference too, uh, just seeing that, uh, other people talk about their programs, talk about what their challenges were and how they overcame them, I think is incredibly helpful for both me bringing back and inspiring my team, but also to get set some direction for internal leadership. Okay. Uh, perfect. Well, thank you very much. Took some copious notes there. And uh, it was uh, great seeing you a couple of weeks ago at the conference. Hopefully we'll continue to see you. Uh, and uh, congrats on all the amazing success that you're having with the program. Fantastic. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a good one, Mark. You too. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Make sure you join us back for another edition of our Leaders and Customer Loyalty Series soon. Have a wonderful day.